0: You really approach this from a business marketing approach and almost like position your mom as a
1: brand. Relationships and finding the right partner is a business. It is the ultimate business contract. And I'm sure you can attest to that being a divorce attorney.
0: Very special episode of the I Just Want This Done Divorce Podcast. Rayford Palmer, Rahul Iyer, STG Divorce Law. Very special guest for the first time interviewing guests who are excited to have Michael Banavak, the millionaire date doctor, with us. And uh, wanted to Rahul actually knows Michael, which is really cool. I'd like to find out more about Michael.
2: Yeah, so Hey, everybody. So we are here with Michael Banovac, real estate developer at RMB Lux, author, social media influencer, luxury real estate, residential agent, millionaire date doctor. Anything I missed there, Mike? Uh,
1: there's probably a litany of other things you could say, but that sounds pretty good on my end. <laughs>
2: <laughs> awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Michael. Who are you?
1: Well, I mean, for me, I think I'm a developer of people, right? Obviously, I build homes and we build fourplexes and we build all kinds of things. But what I'm most passionate about is we all can create a story, right? And, and our story is really important when it comes to how other people view us, where we are in the world and what we can create, and what we can actually You know, help people create with their lives. And so for me and what I am is really just a cultivator of other people's greatness and molding them to make sure they can get the best out of themselves and get the results they deserve.
0: So one thing that comes to mind is how did you get into the date doctor business? Like how did that all start?
1: Yeah, no, it's always a good question. It started back in 2013. My mother was in a long-term relationship. Like many of us sons, we want to make sure that our parents are happy and, and vibrant in their lives. And She got out of a long-term relationship and she was very kind of down on her luck. And she says, you know, Mike, I really think I want to date online. Well, back then, let's say 11 years ago, that was taboo. That was, no, 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 no. That's a bad idea. There's pedophiles and weirdos in each other's basements. We don't want to date online, mom. But you know, she was really honest in her approach. She really wanted to approach it in a different way. And so I said, okay, mom, I will help you because she knew I had success online with marketing, with business. I said, I'll help you, but we got to approach this as a, business. And, you know, believe me, relationships and finding the right partner is a business. It is the ultimate business contract. And I'm sure you can attest to that being a divorce attorney. And so when you find your partner, like any great business, there's a lot of groundwork that goes into cultivating and creating and attracting that right partner. And so basically, I locked myself in a room for six months, read up a ton on sociology, psychology, wardrobe analysis, what successful men find attractive. Brought in my professional photographers, curated her brand, curated her wardrobe, curated all of her topography and everything that she wrote on all these profiles. We launched her on a few sites, which I can go into maybe later on in the podcast. And within about three months, she became one of the top 10 most search women in the United States and online dating platforms. And so it really took off because at the time she was in her mid fifties. And as you know, there's a huge divorce segment in that secondary part of their lives, right? From forties to to mid sixties, there's a lot of people single looking to meet their partner and uh, they have the means, they have the wherewithal to do it. They just don't know what to do, right? They need direction. And that's kind of where we came in and that's how it got started.
0: So you've been in the real estate business before that happened, right?
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I got my license the day I turned 18 actually. And my father's been in the industry since 1965. And relationships it is business. And so for me, the ultimate calling and the ultimate sense of altruism is how do you cultivate relationships that suit both parties in the best possible way? And how do you avoid toxic relationships that can take you down? Because sure. the greatest relationships in the world can seem great until the true calling or the true representation of that person comes out. And takes you down. I mean, look at history, look at all the 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 great women and men in world history that took their partners down for one reason or another.
0: So you really approach this from a business marketing approach and almost like position your mom as a brand. That's really interesting.
1: Yep, yep. Now, she worked for Chanel, and I had the pleasure of meeting Karl Augerfeld briefly before he passed. And you know, the greatest brands in the world, I studied London School of Economics, International Marketing, and also at Harvard uh, International Business. And any great brand starts and cultivates from a personal brand, right? So Ralph Lauren is a great example. I mean, talk about someone who grew up in Brooklyn, Ralph Lipschitz, who sold ties and created the ultimate personal brand. You know, you can say that about Tom Ford, another amazing designer personal brand, right? These are just to name a few. Ferrari is another great example, right? These names are synonymous with lifestyles. And what they did, which people can do in their own lives, which I love to teach, is how do you take your name and mirror it with the ultimate dream lifestyle? And that's what we create.
2: So part of this sort of lifestyle really relies upon your personal brand, how successfully you can market yourself.
1: 100%. Yeah, one of the things that we talk to in the book is, you know, the, the, the nuance. Of interpersonal development with people is just so fascinating, right? 90% of the way we communicate is nonverbal. It's what people see. It's what they perceive, right? So your wardrobe becomes important. Your speech and vocal patterns become important. How kind you are to others, your philanthropy, what you wear, where you live, what you drive. All these little things are judged in milliseconds based on your hierarchy in society and what other people perceive to be attractive, right? Because attraction is a science. I don't care what anyone says, you know, whiten your teeth, you know, us light guys, Get a spray tan, get the right suit on, right, and put yourself in the right environment. Immediately, you become more attractive. It's not that complicated, but you have to be able to communicate effectively, right? And so, that communication barrier between men and women is one of those things that a lot of people can't articulate well, and therefore it gets lost because what men believe women to feel as is attractive isn't, and vice versa. So, right, it's, it's bridging that gap, making sure that both parties understand what the other finds most alluring.
0: And I'm talking about some of this stuff in my new book. The goal of the book is to help people decide whether to stay married or to get divorced, but it doesn't tell them what to do. They make their own decision. But I talk about sort of the the rating system as a concept, you know, Mm. zero to 10, whatever, right? But long story (laughs) short, I talk about how a relationship starts out. Most people probably meet their match. This is me talking theoretically yeah, anyway, you have maybe have experience with this where sevens kind of run into sevens, eights and eights, or what have you, maybe within one or two points. And what I'm getting at here is the number rating for men is different than the number rating for women. It's just the way we see attractiveness in each other
1: varies, right? 100%. And the other problem is, and this is a constant thread I get with all my clients and people I talk to. Let's say we're truly sevens or sixes and we portray ourselves as nine or tens, men and women do this all the time. You get into a relationship, expectations are not met. Communication isn't frequent. And basically that resentment starts to build and both parties look at one another and go, wait a second, you misrepresented yourself. You misrepresented your lifestyle. You misrepresented how beautiful you are, how much makeup you put on, how much income you bring in. All these things get lost in translation. And so that's the hard part of marriage and long-term committed relationships is making sure you bridge that gap of communication and making sure like, hey, this is me. It's a heightened version of me. It's the best version of me. There are nuances and things that I'm not proud of. But at the same time, I'm sure as a woman or as a man, you have the same and just reveal those in a, in a cool way.
0: Okay. That's interesting. So have you found this to be an increasing problem, this sort of deception or maybe not intentional or burnishing of an image uh, with all the tech and changes with dating apps, filters, you know, you might say a rental lifestyle that's, or, you know, sort 100%. of a culture. Yeah. Okay. So how has that affected your clients and the way that you're advising people? It's just interesting.
1: Well, it's kind of that burnishment of new money versus old money, right? You know, when you look at certain items and things that people create and or have as important in their lives to each people, they mean something differently, like what makes something valuable, right? You see this watch, most people are like, Oh, that's a watch, no big deal to someone else. Wow, that's, that's an unbelievable watch. That's something that has a lot of value it has a high monetary dollar amount, because I know the brand, I know the style, I know exactly what it is, I know how hard it is to get. And so the, the higher end of the dating culture is trying to cultivate is the real new thing is stealth wealth, right? Those in the know know, and those that don't know don't really need to know. And that's really what the highest end are trying to cultivate. But what you're seeing now in flex culture on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and TikTok is everyone is trying to exude a high-end lifestyle that really isn't accurate, right? They're leasing cars, they're wearing flashy watches or clothes, they're pretending to be more successful than they are. And that disingenuousness or that lack of authenticity authenticity. authenticity is going to hinder their relationships because you can only take that facade so far until you really get to understand the depth of that person and the cultural references you can share in a relationship. That's where a lot of people are misaligning men and women in relationships in my mind.
2: The foundation is built on like a house of cards. And eventually, as you start, you know, building this relationship, and the more weight you start putting on that house of cards, eventually it will collapse if it's not genuine, like you said.
1: Well, 100%. Because the real truth of capitalism in our society is men and women almost become status symbols and or trophies. And if you look at our little dynamic, right, you can always look at a man as he walks into a room and the caliber and elegance of the woman that he carries in is the ultimate status symbol, because if she's beautiful, she's well-spoken, she is a high earner and or very attractive to other men, immediately, you know, okay, that guy has something going on. Or he wouldn't be able to attract, let alone keep that type of woman, right? And vice versa, right? When you're in a female construct, a lot of women amongst themselves wants to extol the success of the man that they connected with, right? Their husband, their boyfriend, their lover. Oh, he's successful. He's this. He's the vice president and he's this because it gives them a sense of self worth because they themselves are that attractive. Does that make sense? Oh, it's sure. It's like a
2: social structure where you are, right? Yes. It's like, hey, you know, I date the CEO of Pepsi, so exactly. I'm here. That makes perfect sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's so like the trophy spouse concept, right? But you're saying in a broader context. So tell us about like your what you actually do as the date doctor. How does it work to engage your services? What does that look like for somebody?
1: Yeah, so a lot of people, when they come out of long-term relationships, they're really down on themselves. Their self-talk is in the gutter. They've been through a lot of emotional pain, maybe even some physical, right? And they're looking to reinvent. They're looking to recharge. And basically what we do is we take a person at maybe one of their lowest forms, because as you can attest, divorce is just a disaster for both parties regardless. Financially, emotionally, everything is just whittled down to its lowest form. And how do you reinvent yourself? Well, our slogan is we become the best version of ourselves to attract the best in others. Where most people fail is out of divorce, they're broken. They're a broken individual, emotionally, financially. They're not in the right mind space. And so they're trying to, what we call monkey bar right? Hold on to the last deal while monkey bar into their their next one. And they carry all that pain, all that anguish, all those problems into the next relationship without really focusing and rebuilding themselves. So attraction is not that complicated. But the problem is, in order to attract the highest caliber of partner, man or woman, you have to put a lot of work into yourself, a lot of work. And most people that are of the higher caliber of that dating spectrum have put a lot of work into themselves and therefore demand a higher caliber partner. But most people pretend to be, but they that truly are not, right? It's, it's a facade. It's a, it's, a, it's a fugazi, for lack of a better word.
0: So what kind of work is involved in that? Are you talking about going hitting the gym and
1: changing your wardrobe or what is it all about? It's a good question. So usually when someone enacts my services, the first construct is we do a deep dive, right? Most of my clients and I sign NDAs. So we deep dive into their sexual history, their dating history, A lot of what I've realized in my own life and my clients' lives have to do with insecurities we had as children. All the issues our parents had get shoveled into us because that's how we were raised. And so (laughs) we're some variation of our parents. I don't care what anyone says, right? For better or for worse. And so we have to take all the past, all the trauma, all the neglect, all the things that we had as a child and relearn and reeducate ourselves about what works and what doesn't. So the first consult is really do a deep dive, two to four hours of all the things that we've had in our past to bring us to this point. Then the next thing that we do is we do what's called a closet edit. So we go into their home, we look at their lifestyle, we look at where they're living, we look at how they're living, we look at their wardrobe, we look at their clothes, we look at everything that they're presenting to the outside world. And a lot of it isn't what they want Want to attract, right? If you want an elegant man or a beautiful woman, you can't be wearing gym shorts and a t-shirt. It just doesn't align. It doesn't work, right? It doesn't, it doesn't elicit an emotional response from that partner. So then we bring in our wardrobe consultants and we bring in some staples if they don't already have them in their closet, right? We bring in the the, the blazers, the jeans, the nice button-down shirts, maybe a nice staple watch, you know, different, different texting etiquette, different phone etiquette. How are you supposed present yourself to the outside world. Okay. Then after we do that, we do a deep dive on their whole online presence, because whether we like it or not, the way that we're viewed online becomes our digital resume. Right. It's it's, everyone Googles everyone. Now I went out with this great guy. I went out with this great girl. Let's see what she does. And a lot of, a lot of people, when you type them into Google, they've done nothing. That's the scary part about it. And what that does is that it it dilutes their credibility in the relationship. Because if there are a lot of backlinks, if there are a lot of periodicals or articles and or websites, basically detailing that person's success or relaying everything that that person has told you and giving you credibility right there, they're stuck. Continues to rise, right? So, what we do is we do a back end approach where we're saying, how do we build you up? to be the person that you are so the other person reaffirms those things that you're showcasing to the outside world. And then last but not least, we get them on all these sites and we make sure that they have the tools necessary to deal with the dating world and making sure that they know how to deal with the hunt. I mean, that's basically what it is. We have a 90-hour online course and it teaches everyone from texting etiquette, dating etiquette, wardrobe when to sleep with the person where to take them on dates where to meet people it's in depth but it's basically <laughs> like learning a new Sounds language like- right it's like learning italian or, or, or french right it's understanding like money money is a language right business is a language dating seduction sex long-term relationships is a language and it needs to be learned. You can't go into a foreign country and pretend you speak the language. You don't, right? You know, a few words, that doesn't mean you're fluent. It's the same thing in attraction or relationships.
0: So I imagine, and a lot of your clients have probably been in a long-term relationship and out of the dating scene
1: for some time, right? Yeah. A lot of them are divorcees and or have been in serial monogamous relationships that aren't garnering the results that they desire.
0: Okay. That makes sense. Rahul, you've got some other good questions here.
2: No, I was going to say, so a segue from that, I was going to say, what would you say these days, Michael, is the most efficient way of meeting somebody? Age group and demographic, does that vary? Uh, Is it online versus Organically in person. What have you seen?
1: It's all the above. So, like anything, right? If you look at a marketing piece, you are no different than, say, like a movie premiere, right? What makes, <laughs> you know, Tom Cruise's mission impossible, bring in a higher box office than an indie A24 film that was made for $500,000? Marketing. Simple as that. And so, someone that's marketed well, a Tom Brady is going to attract a higher quality caliber of partner than Tom from next door. And it's because he has more outlets promoting and or extolling his accomplishments, which get him a higher echelon of person. So how does a person do that? Well, what they need to do basically is you need to become your own brand, right? You need to become your own Ralph Lauren, you need to dress, project, interact, go to events where these people are at, right. And so you are a walking billboard. You know, it's really funny because I'm a car guy and a watch guy, and I love these subcultures of wine, cars, watches, homes, because these people are the same people, right? Collectors of high-end things are the same individuals. And it was so funny. I remember when I bought my Ferrari, this is a tie-in to relationships. And I remember when I got there, right? They treat you like shit. They don't really interact with you. They treat you terribly because they're like, You we we're giving you the pleasure of buying one of our cars and this was a real fascinating concept they said when you drive our car you are now an ambassador you are a billboard for this brand and so we are giving you basically the the pleasure right we are giving you the opportunity to showcase our brand in the highest possible light now what you do with it, it's up to you but we hope you enjoy the car Here's the price, there's no negotiation. Now you are a walking billboard. And that is so true about anything you do in the dating world. Every day in our culture, we are judged. What we wear, how we talk, what we do, where we eat, where we live, all these things are going through a man and a woman's mind as they find us more or less attractive. And it's important, right? In our book, we call that layers of legitimacy. And I don't know if you want me to delve into this concept, but I think it's important in the dating world is layers of legitimacy is something that we coin through Tiffany and co right? So before Tiffany actually sold the LVMH, uh, Arnault out of France, when you saw that blue box, right, that turquoise box, what does that box in itself represent? Just,
0: you know, quality, luxury, you know, the very best.
2: Right. It's Tiffany's. And I mean, you even have, like you were talking about luxury watches, you know, you have the Patek with the Tiffany blue face. You, ha- you know, that blue itself is the brand.
1: Exactly. But what created that blue box, right? The moment you see that box, immediately you, you elicit an emotional response. And the reason being is layers of legitimacy, right? Tiffany has been around for hundreds of years. They're always in the best locations all around the world that you know they have their synonymous with quality. You know, their jewel settings are high. You know, it's expensive. You know, it's rare. You know, all these things subconsciously. So the moment you see that product in front of you, you're excited. And it's no different than a man or a woman. The moment you see a man or a woman who's attractive, who's desirable in front of you, you notice when you're at a bar or at a restaurant, immediately, everyone shifts and changes. A beautiful woman walks by like, whoa, okay, I'm aware of her, right? She's in the periphery or a good looking guy, even if you're straight walks by like, that's a good looking guy, right? You just know there's a different mood, it almost the oxygen gets sucked out of the room. And that's the type of persons we try to create in our business is, again, this is all scientific. It's really not that amazing, but you have to enact the steps in order to get you to that point to attract the caliber of person that you want.
2: How do you know if you're compatible with someone you attract? Is that after the fact? Is that after the initial sort of marketing has been done? Or is that, are you looking for that person?
1: So what we do is we talk about dating to disqualify. So like any great job title, you're you're trying to find the co-CEO of your life, right? That's really what you're trying to find. It's a business partnership. Marriage is business. I don't care what anyone tells you. It's the ultimate partnership with its upside and with its downside, right? And so when you're trying to find the co-CEO of you, what are you doing? You're just going to take all the job applications that come in and go, oh, but this is, let's just date 500 people and one of these people is going to work. No, you're not gonna do that. You're gonna look at every application, you're going to get rid of 95% of them right off the bat because they don't even meet the basic qualifications of the job. And the five percent that are left over, you're really going to comb through. You're going to look at their references. You're going to Google search them. You're going to go on their Instagram, their Facebook, their social media. Look at all their photos. Make sure it aligns with what it is you're trying to be and what it is that you want. And you're going to take the top three candidates and you're going to invest in them and you're going to go through an interview process. That's dating. That's all it is. You know, if you look at it that way, it really it, it boils it down to a simple process.
0: And So you're not really matchmaking. You're coaching people to find these folks themselves and present themselves in the best light and find the best matches and then show them the process.
1: I think I honestly, and I'll say this, and I'm sure I'll get a lot of hate for it. I think matchmaking is a total scam. And the reason I say that okay. is because it's biblical. You give someone a fish to eat for a day, you teach them how to fish to eat for a lifetime. It's no different than dating. You give the tools necessary for you to attract and become the highest level of person. You will be that person. If you fake it and, oh, I have this perfect person for you. Well, they didn't do the work. You didn't do the work. How do you expect it to work? It won't. That's what I believe.
2: That, that makes sense that makes because sense. it's sort of like, hey, I've masked you with this person. Go out with them. It's like, yeah. okay, well, it's not working. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I why? back where I started.
1: Because you <laughs> resent them, started. right? You resent them <laughs> for not doing the work. They resent you. The constructs of female and male communication is so... Interesting. Every girl I've ever talked to, they go out to lunch with their girlfriends, and all they do is bitch and complain about their boyfriends or husbands. Every guy <laughs> that you hang out with, half the half the conversation is guys bitching about their girlfriends or their wives or whatever. That's the Not way it works, cowboy. Yeah, no, I keep my mouth shut. Well, it's smart, <laughs> but see, the thing is, and the reason that is, is because the communication of the relationship isn't as strong as it needs to be. If the communication is strong, she's your queen, right? Right? she's your princess she's your partner they are my partner and when they are your ultimate partner you're never going to disrespect the kingdom you're never going to take them down or say anything you know poor about them because they are the ultimate representation of you and that's how you know you have a quality person that you're with
0: that's uh, that's true one other thing i'm talking about in my book now the the draft is When boundaries with friends get screwed up and they blur and people are sharing too much about what's going on inside their marriage with their buddies or with the girlfriends, And they're sort of breaching that trust of the boardroom, to use your corporate analogy, you know, what goes on in the boardroom should be staying in the boardroom. And you start complaining to these outside folks who may not be motivated to help you stay together. There are people with a lot of different motivations who might be in your friend group. And you may have some people who are like unlucky in love, who are your buddies. They don't, they're not necessarily thrilled to see
1: your relationship succeed hundred percent agree with you. You know, and and the truth is everyone has their own angle as to what they're trying to create. And they see you happy. They see you having a wonderful marriage. They want that too, but they don't have it. So they're going to try to take yours down to get them to feel better about themselves. a terrible thing. So
0: since we're talking to you, this is a chance to ask for some kind of Quick tips. One is what's kind of your recommendation for how people portray themselves on social? Obviously we have the filters, like you said, maybe they only go once a year to Mexico, but they take a whole bunch of pictures and it looks like they're there all the time. <laughs> yes. You know, what what are your thoughts about that? Because there's some now with AI, you can even fake stuff to an extreme degree. You know, what have your what have your thoughts been on that and how's that evolved?
1: Well, I mean, for me, I really believe social media is just a microphone and a magnaphone of who you are as an individual. You know, the reason I portray a heightened lifestyle and why I have a lot of followers and stuff like that on social media is I'm trying to uplift people. I'm trying to give them a an ideal that they can hold on to and say, yes, it's possible. Here are the steps you can take to do it. But not all, not everyone is like that, right? You have introverts, you have extroverts, you have introverted extroverts. You have people that don't like social media. You have people that can't deal with the hate. You know, and what happens is in life, as you grow, as you expand, there is a huge blowback from people in your life that are judging you constantly. And as soon as you reach an echelon of perceived success that they haven't reached in their own lives, immediately you become a villain. And so you have to deal with all of that negativity and all of that hate that's coming your way. Because as soon as you go above them, they want to take you back down with them. That's the way it works. So you got to know that ahead of time before going down that road. Like that Batman quote,
2: right? Die a hero, or you live long enough to become the villain. So that's really <laughs> accurate.
1: Yeah. yeah, you know, and social media now is really just our digital resume. That's really all it is, right? People are again looking at that layer of legitimacy, and they're saying who does this person know? Does this person know celebrities? Where do they travel? What do they drive? Where do they live? All these things, people are making quick sub-second judgments based on what it is that you have. Now it's a blessing and a curse. It's a double-edged sword. So are you using it to, to you know, help people or are you using it to hurt people? A lot of people are doing the wrong thing with it. And unfortunately, trying to perceive themselves to be something that they are not and in turn hurting a lot of people process.
2: So it sounds like to me then that I think it's important what you're suggesting is perhaps that they carefully curate their social media to reflect their lifestyle that is actually true, but in a heightened sense, so that it's both gives credibility and legitimacy. So when people say, let me look at this uh, girl or guy, this person is dating, first thing they do go on Instagram, they'll see, okay, what's the page look like? What's the grid look like? Okay, I already think this person is, is awesome or cool or, or whatever other perceived sense of success
1: self-talk and the way that you communicate with yourself is the most important thing and everyone asked me like god i met you you know you're a really nice guy on social media you seem like an arrogant asshole and i said well that's because i'm I'm showcasing highlights of my life right i'm showcasing the cars the watches the trips the girls the this the boom the boom boom the boom and and to a lot of people it's just so out of the realm of their lives that they don't they they can't understand it, right? They don't understand what it is that I'm trying to perceive. And I said, the reason I do what I do is obviously you're talking about it, whether you like it or you don't like it, you're talking about who I am. And that name now gets disseminated. And so now once that name starts growing, people start talking about you. They know who you are, whether you like it or not, right? You go back to your high school or college graduation parties, like, I don't like that guy or I like that guy and I know who he is. And that's the whole point of personal marketing. As you expand, as you grow, as your ability to curate and attract Higher caliber people is gonna be met with a lot of blowback. And a lot of people can't deal with it. And that's why they get small. I don't like social media. I don't like being online. I don't I don't I don't like people knowing my business. Well, hate to say it, you're not gonna attract a high caliber of partner in this world because if no one knows you, you know, as Grant Cardone will say, you know, he's a bipolar guy, they can't flow you. You know, they can't <laughs> if they don't know you, they can't flow you. It's as simple as that. You have to be known, right? Best known beats best every single time. And that's that's the truth. It really
0: is. Recent episode of the pod, we came across a stat that said women are only choosing 10% of male profiles on dating apps. That is, The theory is that when women are forced to be visual, then they're picking visually the best looking small percentage of guys on these apps and probably missing an opportunity to miss very high quality men who just don't look pretty in their five photos. And I'm guessing you see some of this and probably you're advising your clients on this topic, male or female, I'm supposing. Will you coach people on how they handle their dating profiles online? Oh
1: yeah, oh yeah, for sure. The photos are important. In fact, they're the most important thing, right? The image is worth several thousand words, it's so true. It's not just what they see, it's what behind it. You know, a guy takes a photo of them in a fish, you know, in a boat, you know, it's like, (laughs) that's not getting a girl excited. You know, it's like, or they're taking a photo of them and their buddies drinking beer in the backyard and there's a double wide in the back. That's not getting a girl excited, right? It's all these little things that the nuances of what you don't think matter, matter a lot. Right. They matter a lot, especially on that visual component. Because when you lay out a date, it's very interesting. Everyone wants to know the protocol on how to date. Right. And so I'll just I'll just share this with the audience because they may find this interesting. Is the first the first date is simply to answer one question. And that question is, do I want to see this person again or not? You don't need to know their life story. You don't need to know how much money they make. You don't need to know their you don't need to know anything except what's your gut telling you? What is your attraction meter telling you about this individual? Do I want to see them again or not? And if the answer is no, which a lot of people 95% of the time says no, but oh, you know, let me give them a second chance. So maybe it was a bad day. No, it's your body telling you exactly what you know to be true. They're not that person period. So stop wasting time, right? The second date, It's a deep dive into who they are. What are your moral characteristics? Did you go to school? Do you value school? What do you believe? What are your moral beliefs? What's your religion? You know, if we had kids together, what would that look like? All these little things start popping up and you don't hit them head on, but you hit them through little caveats of the conversation. Where do you want to be in five years? What do you dream about? Where do you want to travel? All these things are clicking off little parameters in our brain. I was on a date 10 years ago and I remember asking this girl, I said, if you could have dinner anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? She's like, Rocky Point. I'm like, Rocky Point? Why would you go to Rocky Point? They have great tacos down there. I'm like, well, this is not my girl. I know that right now. So let's <laughs> just you know end the conversation. So there's little things that are nuances and why. You wanna elicit more conversation. You wanna learn deeper about why they are that way. And that's why on date two, You want to break or broach the touch barrier to actually make sure that there is attraction in the relationship. What happens is, A, guys get really aggressive after two dates. And or they try to be the gentleman and they don't do anything for four or five or six. And she's wondering, when is this guy going to make the move? Like, you're not doing anything here. What is going on? Right. So you have to broach that touch subject, right? Touching a hand, touching a thigh, you know, giving them a hug, kissing for the first time. All these things are really important. And so once you get into the third date, then at that point, you're going to know pretty quickly, do I want to be intimate with this person do I like this person? Do I see a future of this person? Are they a booty call? What is the game here and what are we trying <laughs> to cultivate? And so that's really the way it works in, in our society. It's really that easy. And once you try to do something different, oh, I'm gonna be with her the first night or I'm gonna try to move in with him by the third day, it doesn't work because that right. is not the protocol that we've learned in a society over the last several hundred years.
0: So to restate what you're saying, I think it's absolutely correct from my experience and yeah. is. First date is really just an initial screening interview. Yeah. Are are you worthy of my time period? So maybe that's coffee, maybe it's early drinks. It doesn't have to be any big program, right?
1: Nope. Should like be midweek it midweek happy hour with a false time constraint. <laughs> oh, that
0: I love it. Okay. No, I think that's great. Like I've yeah. got to run and that gives you an exit plan. Yep. That's super. You're not trapped. And then Date number two is much more in-depth. That's a value-matching thing, like a real
1: detailed interview
0: for a job.
1: It's a nice dinner, right? It's a nice dinner. The night makes us look better in bad lighting, so we both look good, right? We're dressed right, up. Right. We're looking good. You know, you right. don't have to go to an expensive meal. Women do not like that. Every guy that asks a girl to do a $400 meal right out of the gate is a red flag guy. Do not go down that road. Because women don't need to know you can buy them lobster and steak. They don't care about that. They care about trust. They care about companionship. They care about, does this person align with what it is I'm trying to create in my life? And so the finances are going to come into play later. Don't kid yourself. But again, it's those layers of legitimacy that reaffirm who you are as an individual or You lose all faith and all stock immediately by day two or three. That happens all the time.
0: And I'm sure you're running into far more professional women, entrepreneurs, business owners who the financial, while they want somebody who might be somewhere on par with them or at least understanding their values, they don't need the guy's money. They want to find the right match for them, but they may be financially secure, but need your advice in finding the right person hundred percent.
1: And usually the way it works with both men and women is the old ideal of equal or more. Everyone wants something. I don't want anyone that's really rich. I just want them equal or more. Well, when you're worth three or four or $5 million or more, that, that dating pool really starts to shrink a lot. Damn. Right. And so that that's where it gets complicated is when you create a successful life for yourself and your family and that relationship deteriorates and you have to recreate yourself. Finding someone exactly in that space and time becomes really, really complicated.
0: You're so right about finding your sort of business partner and that it is challenging, especially at, that, at this level. There was, the statistics are really interesting and reading articles and seeing social media stuff from experts saying one of the real problems with social now, social media and, and media content is, People's perceptions of success and the availability of successful people are hugely skewed. For example, that there was a guy interviewing a bunch of college girls and saying, if you get married, how much money does he have to make? And these girls are saying, you know, a million dollars a year, oh, you know, $500,000 a year. Yeah. After he collected all this these answers, the person pointed out at the video, he said, look at the research. You know, there are this very small percentage of men in the United States that earn those kind of dollars. And so there's a immense group of people who have these very unrealistic expectations. And I think that's challenging. And, you know, kids these days are being raised on this steady diet of social media and then young people and people looking to get married where they're looking at somebody's filtered best life, quote unquote, best life. And like you said, it might be a rented best life for all we know or somebody else's boat. You Usually know,
1: is. I don't like investing in boats.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's always, it's always better to have a friend with a boat than to that's own right. a boat. Yeah, for sure. So I'm guessing that's a big challenge too. Is to some extent bringing people to their understanding their own reality and you know what what might be compatible for them.
1: Validation. You know the reason social media took off is people. It's it's no different than heroin or cocaine. They're looking they're looking for that high. They're looking for that dopamine pop, right? When you get a like or a comment, you're like, ah, I feel good about myself. When you <laughs> right. post something and no one, no one comments, you're like, oh my goodness, this is terrible. So it's that idea of you want constant validation, but the real truth, and I teach my clients this all the time, is what do you tell yourself before you go to bed and when you wake up in the morning? When no one's watching, the silences of your own mind. And the commonalities which are really interesting is hyper-successful people are always their biggest cheerleader and their biggest critic. They think they're the best. And at the same time, they think they're the worst and they're never satisfied. Well, relationships, you have to be satisfied because if this is your life partner, you better make sure that what you're growing together is parallel, right? You better make sure that that road is going down the same path. And if it's divergent, even for a moment, you better talk about it with your partner and go, hey, 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 you know. We're, we're kind of going in different directions here. How do we get back on course? Or should we? Yeah, maybe right. it's time to just go separate ways. You know, that's the whole point you of g- it.
0: You've got to have a couple of funny stories from this business. See, <laughs> any, any things that stick out in your mind about like just funny or interesting things that happen in the business? Cause it's fascinating. You're, we're, we're on the other side of the relationship. <laughs> business. And, uh, and what we're trying to do is actually, we're big believers in marriage. So we like, and it sounds like you are too, which I like. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I think a lot of people are down on marriage, unfortunately. Uh, I'm a big fan, so much so I'm married a second time.
1: There you go.
0: I I am not, uh, you know, I think a lot of people do like and would prefer to be married with the right person and, and have a, a good relationship. And we always say a good marriage is better than a good divorce any you know any day of the week. And so we're always encouraging those healthy relationships. And I, what I like is you are too. You know you are
1: hundred percent.
0: You're not telling people to date somebody out sort of out of their league or somebody something that's going to be fake. You're not saying dress it up to the point where you're going to you know fool somebody into marrying you or whatever. You're delivering a real message of honesty that I think is very very tremendously valuable to your own customers, you know, who might be otherwise encouraged to maybe overdo
1: it. No. And that's the truth. You know, the the self-talk component is so imperative. I mean, when I wake up in the morning and I hear clients or I hear myself or I hear people, it's like, I grew up as the smart kid, the fat kid, the popular kid. I grew up with money. All these constructs that we tell ourselves, it really hinders our ability to look at ourselves Honestly, you know, and it's funny because when people talk negatively about themselves, Bruce Lee had a funny comment. He says, you cannot say anything negative about yourself because the moment you do, it casts a spell, right? That's why it's called spelling. It it casts a spell. Your brain doesn't know how to constitute self-deprecation versus reality. And I thought, hmm, that is very, very interesting, because the moment we put ourselves down, it opens it up for other people to do the same. And the real truth about the human psyche is we need constant, constant reformation and acknowledgement about who we are and the identities that we've created about ourselves. We need to be reaffirmed as to who we are. You're successful. You're smart you're kind, you're a great guy, you're a great husband, you're handsome, all these things we need to hear all the time, we need that validation. And the moment we don't get it, that's why social media has gone crazy is because that's where they crave it. I have more followers, I have more comments, I have more people buying my book, whatever that is, that gives us that validation to show the outside world, I'm not fake, what I have created is real. And the truth is, Half the people that are the most successful believe themselves to be inauthentic and or not achieving at their highest level that's the craziest part i have young people that call me all the time and they go how did you become so successful and i said guys i don't even think i've even scratched the surface of success i don't even i don't even feel that way at all and if the irony is the viewpoint of the other person and what they perceive to be success right that's what's really I, interesting i think the you know the the highest performers probably always have some
0: imposter syndrome i like you said it's, it's the best champion worst critic that's certainly true for me and my wife is also my law partner. We're very hard on ourselves and nobody can be harder on me than me. That's always been the case. And I think that's true for high performing people in general, which is probably one reason why they do perform is they're kicking themselves in the rear end all the time. It's not all bad, but it's very motivational. So, you know, one thing I also have found, I think what rings true, what you said is that self-validation, the self-talk thing, sometimes a client will say to me, how can he get up in the morning and think the way he does, do what he's done, et cetera. And, and I say, we all have a construct in our minds, a rationalization of our world. And I said, when he gets up in the morning, looks in the mirror, he's justifying the divorce to himself in his worldview, his model that he's created in his mind, partially factual, partially fiction, or in some percentage. Everybody has to get up in the morning, even a person we all think is a bad guy. They get up in the morning they look in the mirror and say, I'm a good person and, and this is why I'm doing things the way I do.
1: Hey, Benjamin Franklin had a great quote. He- He said, the truth really is the third person. One person thinks they're telling the truth. The other person's lying. And the third person is a variation of what's in between. It's the same (laughs) thing. I mean, right. we all think we're right, but in reality, based on the optics of the relationship or the deal, we could be completely wrong. And that's what's so fascinating about the human, you know, the human issue. You know, what's funny is like the constitutes of the rationale of what women and men believe to be true. That's what's so fascinating. And there's a huge disconnect, right, on what men and women believe. Like I, I talk to a lot of women that are clients, that are friends, whatever, And they really believe, a lot of them, and I'm not saying all women, again, but many believe if they're attractive, they're good-looking, and they have their life together, and I say that loosely, they are entitled to someone to take care of them and to live a great life. That's really what they believe. Are they wrong? Are they right? We'll let society decide. Men, I've made a lot of money. (laughs) I can attract any woman I want. Well, as we know, business success doesn't always translate into personal success. In fact, it rarely does. So again, it's these ideals that these people naively believe to be true and in reality are completely wrong when it comes to ways of the heart and relationships.
2: So you wrote a book, How to Be Irresistible to Men. Tell us a little about that. Well, the book talks about, it came out in late
1: 2017, and it really was an ode to my mom and all the women looking to reinvent themselves. But ironically, 40% of our readership is men (laughs) because they want to know how women think too. So it's, uh, it's a book, basically, if you were to look at yourself in the mirror, naked, strip down everything in your life, and you had to recreate yourself, How do you do it? A lot of people don't have the means or the financial wherewithal to take my time on -on one-on-one so they can buy a $19 book or a $9 Audible and they could do it themselves. And that was kind of the the auspices of the book was how do you recreate yourself? It's really simple. Like attracts like. You want someone rich? You better be rich. You want someone attractive? You better be attractive. You want someone in shape? You better be in shape. That's really the basics And so what we do is we do step by step by step exactly how men perceive women and why they perceive it. So they really get a baseline of, oh, when a guy says that, they really mean this. What do you do? Now, what do you think they're asking you when they ask that question? How successful are you? Yeah. What they're asking is, why should I know you? It's not, I'm an accountant, I'm a lawyer, I'm a real estate agent. No one really cares. What they're really wanting to know is, why should I take my time and invest it into you? What makes you interesting? And as soon as you have a response to that, that elicits a conversation or elicits a more integrated response that's exciting, immediately You can tell people perk up. They're like, whoa, this person is doing something. I want to get to know them better. And that's the real, that's the beginning phase of making sure that you have your story in alignment. I'll give an acronym to the audience that I think is helpful too. It's called SCC, not Scottsdale Community College, Raul. I don't know if you ever went there. (laughs) (laughs) But but SCC stands for story, right? The most important thing is that first S. We ourselves are stories, What what do we tell the outside world? What's our 15 to 20 second elevator pitch, right? What makes us exciting? What makes us successful? What makes us alluring? The second thing that C is when we meet someone for the first time, we need to establish commonality. Oh, you like basketball? I like basketball. You like watches? I like watches. You like wine? I like wine. You like going to Italy? I like going to Italy. Immediately, you need to have some glue that holds that relationship together. Because if you don't have that, that interaction passes and boom, it's gone forever. And the last thing, which is kind of a negative connotation, but it's the truth. It's the difference between you know having a relationship and converting it into a long-term spouse or having a business partnership and creating a big business out of it is conversion. And that conversion basically means how do we both win? By us coming together and talking to one another and learning about one another, how are we both winning in this relationship? If you do all three of those things, everything in your life is going to become a lot better. That I can guarantee you.
0: That's cool. So one question is, you have the 90-hour program. Is that an online course that you have available?
1: Yeah, Okay. correct. And What, yeah.
0: what does that cost somebody to pay for the course?
1: Yeah, the online course is $2,997. And that's basically your DIY package. You get a copy of the book. You get all the online modules, and you can do it yourself. You know, right. a lot of people it's overwhelming and that's why a lot of people like one-on-one coaching sure. and, and for our clients that prefer doing that, it's not necessarily about the money, right? If you get a divorce and you have a big settlement or you're a successful oh, individual, sure. you don't care about the money, you care about the results. Right. right? And so that's, uh, th- that's why most people usually opt for one-on-one services and those similar to a lawyer, Right. We do retainer-based services. So usually they put $5,000 on a retainer, and most of it costs anywhere from five to 15000 no more. I've never charged anyone more than 15000
0: And then you're doing all those personalized services, bringing in right. those additional professionals and exactly. doing all that. Well, that sounds awesome. That's yep. a really interesting business. So yep. tell us a little bit about how to, first of all, I wanted to talk a little bit about your real estate business so are you doing commercial and residential work and where is that located
1: yeah so we do a lot of stuff in arizona we've done a lot of residential i'd say 90 95 percent of our stuff is residential we did a lot of fix and flips from 2010 to 2014 we did 167 fix and flips so it was a lot of turn and then i acquired a lot of rental properties personally but what we do now is we actually build homes for individuals and we build smaller communities. So we've done subdivisions, eight home subdivisions. We just finished a fourplex right now. And we. another thing that I'm passionate about is I think not only reinventing yourself in the relationship space, but teaching strong financial acumen right? There's a lot of people that want a great lifestyle, but like anything, you have to understand the language of money. Everyone wants to live opulently. They want the nice lifestyle, the trips, the cars, the watches, the wine, all that stuff. But in order to get all of that, you have to sacrifice something before delayed gratification, right? Delayed gratification, whatever you want, it doesn't hurt to work towards in order to achieve. It just makes that that much sweeter. So again, I think a lot of people coming out of divorce, I'll pick on the girls, but again, men are in the same boat sometimes. They just don't understand it, nor do they want to understand the financial acumen. Give me a check every month. Let me live my life. Don't educate me on how to invest my money. I don't want anyone to deal with my money. I'm going to do this on my own. Well, they wake up a decade later and they go, why am I broke? Why am I out of money? Well, you didn't learn the language that you needed to learn to sustain your lifestyle for the rest of your life. And that's the truth of it. Yeah. I heard a great quote uh, yesterday that extreme wealth is in the same bedroom as extreme failure. And so you really have to understand that it, your risk tolerance is what is it that you're trying to achieve? Taking Dave Ramsey, for example, and you abide by Dave Ramsey's techniques, which if your goal is to go from zero to, let's say, a $2 million net worth, he can get you there. Follow exactly what he's teaching you. He can get you to that that threshold. But if you're past, let's say the $2 million net worth threshold and you want to get to 10, 50, 100 million, that's a whole different game plan that requires a lot more risk tolerance. And I hate to say it, market timing and luck, because luck, whether we like it or not, plays a big role in our success as human beings.
2: And that's what Malcolm Gladwell highlighted, right? In the outliers book, not only do you have to do everything you suggested, but like you said, you need luck and timing. Sometimes people are just born or just do things at the right time when it's booming. And sometimes you might be a latecomer and won't do anything or you're too early to the party. So I think that right. that's very important. Michael,
0: how can people find you online and, and, and contact you if
1: they need to? Well, the easiest way to do it is probably through Instagram at million at Michael banovac or at millionaire date doc. Uh, on Instagram. They can go on Facebook. You can go on our website, millionairedatedoctor.com. But just shoot me a message, DM me, email me. My email is mbanavac at hotmail.com. And cool. happy to help. I mean, again, I did this not to make money. I did this for a sense of altruism. I really enjoy seeing people succeed, you know, and, yeah, and, this, and it's great. It's cool. I love
0: that. I, um, I love the book too. That And so the book is how to be irresistible to men the truth behind sex, style, and seduction. That's on Amazon. Got great reviews. Very yeah. good. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate. Yeah, your thank time. you, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah thank it's you, Michael. We the perfect. pleasure's all ours. And, and have a good one. Thank you very much, Michael.
1: Thank you. You guys take care. You take you too. care. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye.